Only about 40 minutes late starting tonight. Welcome to Hand of Pod. So 202, ladies and gents. Uh, I'm Sam Kelly, and I'm already on my second furlet of the evening uh, because some idiot spilt my first one. And for a change, some idiot isn't me. It's uh, the gentleman sitting to my right who is English Dan. Yep, and it's, it's not the first alcoholic drink that's been spilt in this flat, and it most likely won't be the last. Welcome. <laughs> Might be the closest that your computer came to getting it in the face, though. Um, <laughs> we're also joined tonight by Andres. Hello. Yes, that, this these things happen with sober sober people, that uh, they they he still didn't have drink, drunk anything and yeah, and actually drunk a drug. I reckon it happens more when you're sober than when you're drunk, because when you're drunk, you're kind of more aware of this kind of risk and because you when you're drunk, when you're drunk, drunk, you're a bit more careful with you, you stay sit down and you don't do strange things. If we go too far down that line, then we're going to get into uh, advocating drink driving, so let's not uh, <laughs> let's, let's stop at this juncture. But uh, we should mention before we go any further, because I completely forgot to do it at the start of last week's podcast, ended up having to record the message at the end, that we're sponsored by the Argentina Independent. They provide the fernet, which Dan is uh, callously throwing all over the floor. Um, they're a fine source of English language news, current affairs. <laughs> Sandra's clinks the glass there. We all gasp. Photographical essays and historical pieces and whatnot from Argentina and also across the rest of Latin America. And you can read them free of charge on argentinaindependent.com. We thank them very much for their support. Um, We shall get on, first of all, as usual, with reading out of the results from last weekend. They are as follows. Belgrano got a 1-0 win over Defensa y Justicia. And Quilmes got a 2-0 win over San Martín de San Juan, both on Friday evening. Uh, on Saturday, Arsenal de Sarandí and Atlético de Rafaela drew 1-1. Sarmiento lost 1-0 to Estudiantes in Junín. No animals are being harmed in the making of this podcast. Argentinos Juniors beat Tigre 2-1 in uh, Villa General Mitre. I was there. Pretty good game. San Lorenzo and Rosario Central drew 2-2 in Bajo Flores. Gimnasia y Grima La Plata and Olimpo de Bahia Blanca also drew 2-2. They were playing in La Plata. On Sunday, Vélez Sarsfield 1, mm. Nueva Chicago 2. Unión de Santa Fe 0, Colón de Santa Fe 0. Godoy Cruz 3, Tempele 0. Boca Juniors 1, Crucero del Norte 0. News Old Boys 2, Huracán 0. Independiente 3, River Plate 0. And on Monday, Aldo Civi beat Lanús 3-1 in a match in Mar del Plata, which we will be talking about in a little more detail in a few minutes' time. Um, Banfield and Racing got a nil-nil draw in the Florencio Sola. Uh, those results mean that both two of the big five, uh, Racing and River Plate, officially um, are now mathematically out of the title race. Obviously, neither of them were really in it anyway. Uh, but they are both now... It's mathematically impossible for both of them to win the title. Um, I guess we should start, probably, by tearing the plaster off the... Uh, 
uh, wound that Andres and I have, have got inflicted rather than trying to peel it back slowly. We'll just rip it off and begin with Independiente. Um, you've got a 3 0 win over mm-hmm. River. And uh, slightly surprised that Peter didn't come to gloat this Yeah, week. I was surprised by that. Mm. Particularly, yeah. you know, Racing didn't win either, so he'd have been the only victorious fan. Andres, yeah. what did you yes. make of. At first, we thought, we thought that the, the bad results when Almiron was in charge of the bench. Uh, was the real reason why he didn't want to come and, and, and have his say about the Independiente performance, then they start winning. and So now we think it's something that has to do with... There's something more serious going on. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but, well, uh, as I was talking with English Dan off the air, uh, off the record, um, it was a pretty, de- a pretty similar... Performance by Independiente, uh, like they did against Racing, uh, similar results, same results, uh, uh, to say it properly, uh, and similar also performance. And River is like, I don't want to say it like didn't, uh, River didn't care about the match, but it uh, looked like a, a precision match for them. Frustrating. We had a question a few weeks ago about uh, from um, one of our Boca supporting listeners, I forget who, who was asking about this, uh, you know, w- whether River are using a, a sort of cop-out of, oh, we've won the Libertadores and now we're concentrating on the Club World Cup and the Sudamericana, why can't they go for the league as well? And, um, and you know, we explained at the time that, that the squad sizes are much smaller here and that, that in Argentina or South America, I guess, but certainly in Argentina, there's a bit more of a an acceptance, right, uh, that, that because they've won the Libertadores, the league somehow doesn't matter as much. But it has to be frustrating to a degree, right? That one of the main Twitter um, River fan Twitter accounts, Politica and River, who deal with all of the political stuff, um, the presidential elections and how each uh, the club directors are, are keeping their promises and stuff like that um, on Twitter, tweeted something after the match, which was um, the first instance that I've seen of an Argentine River fan actually thinking, you know, seeming to be pissed off by the fact that River just don't seem to be trying all that much at the moment. I mean, I find it frustrating. I can't see why they don't want to win every match that they... Uh, I think play. more than, you know, living on the glory of the Libertadores, River have got their head in another competition in the Sudamericana. I can understand that. You can not, I mean, no, but to be honest, they're already they're in, in the Libertadores next year. They're in the quarterfinals. Uh, they're not gonna, they weren't going to win the league this year, they're and that the, was nine even no, sure, but after the Libertadores, like just happened, after it. exactly. Yeah, because of because they lost concentration so much after the Libertadores yeah. final. So, I'm, and it fits in with that. Surely, it doesn't help. Obviously, that the season straight away you're starting mm. up on the run in really to to a title. Well, the second half of a of a title campaign right after playing the Libertadores final rather than having a break as you would in Europe and then starting a new campaign obviously that, that, well, that but, probably helps uh, but I think and Andres when we talked about earlier um, really hit the nail on the head with the best win in the world um, you know even if River were going out to you know win every game as, as hard as possible you look at their River defence and only Maidan is there from, from the unit that, mm. which was so effective last year in in Argentina and this and in the Sudamericana this year in the Libertadores you've got Let, Machado who's not a right back you've yes. got Casco who's had a pretty terrible start to life in River yeah. uh, Balanta who's it's, it's he's Balanta. a good talent but he's very raw you can see he's very raw and uh, he's getting caught out that's the real problem for River like when was the last time they conceded three goals 
Yeah. That's a good question, at least one I shall attempt to answer if you give me one minute yeah, to bring up the but page. It, it doesn't happen either. Not under Diaz, not under Gacharro, because the defence, you know, you can say it was they've always been an attacking team notice, that went out to get goals, but the yes, defence no, as notice, well has been very notice strong. Notice that the, last year we had the Petzela apart from Maidana. Sorry to interrupt, Andres. The last time River conceded three goals, at least in the league, was uh, in the fifth round of the current campaign to Arsenal de Sarandí away from home. They drew 3 3. Andres Carrion. Yes. Now that, uh, notice that last year we had uh, Petzela apart from Maidana as a uh, perhaps good or very good or top quality uh, centre back, and as he didn't have uh, the enough room to to develop his, his skills, he had to go, or he wanted to go to live, and, and the director said, okay, well, it is money for, for us, it is an income, and, and he has no no room in the starting lineup, and, and, and well, it's it's okay to for him to live. Now we will need some someone like him to to put things in order in defense, uh, anyway, that uh, uh, independently that his uh, uh, first uh, it's number two, not number six. It's the first centre back, not second. Mm. And we, what we need right now is another uh, second centre back because Albert Valanta is not doing things all right. Mm-hmm. And, and well, uh, last year we had a, a lot of players, and even the the, the 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 substitutes were perhaps better than the ones that were playing in the starting lineup. And now it's mm-hmm. all the way. Uh, the opposite way. The subs have maybe been out the team a little bit too long to have kept the level because Balanta has just fallen off a cliff compared with <laughs> when he was playing under Ramon Diaz in the first half of last year. This also, I, I think, just possibly um, makes Romero Funes Mori look slightly better. Yeah, I mean, he's know, not... A lot of people, when Everton spent all that money on him, said, and I wasn't one of them, I have to remind people, <laughs> but said, you know, this is a complete rip-off, they should have gone for Alvarez Balanta instead and all the rest of it. And, um, well, A, he was, by all accounts, because I haven't yet uh, got around to watching Match of the Day 2 from Sunday, having downloaded it, um, but uh, very, very good on Sunday against Liverpool, apparently. Although defenders looking good against Liverpool is perhaps not so difficult these days. <laughs> Sorry, Liverpool fans, if you're listening. Yeah. No offence, man. Um, but B, quite undeniably, considerably better playing in more or less the same back line for River than Alvarez Balanta currently is. Yeah, I don't think you can take anything away from Independiente either, as much as it pains me to say this. Which is obviously the next thing that we need to um, say, because it's one thing moaning about River, but Independiente put in a they, It was a fantastic game, especially in the midfield, this duo of um, uh, Jorge Ortiz, the Martian, and Jesus Benitez, which in the last few games has been absolutely, absolutely rock-solid and... That was the real basis of the of the performance. You got a guy Martin Benitez who's but really just the, the, but the one comfort. sorry the one that was just uh, well uh, uh, man of the match by far was uh, Jorge Ortiz was yeah. incredibly yeah. he was uh, like the best carnivator you is can that from have. another planet let's say uh, and did anyone make the joke that um, he turned the turned the river midfield into um, into water after what we found on on Mars that's Tenuous, but, uh, okay. Sí, el marciano It works just about. <laughs> but anyway. But yeah, no, Independiente have been very, very strong, especially like ever since Pellegrino took over, and you know, and we reconvened after the Copa America. I think well, they won 
maybe 10 and drawn 4 or something like that. Their last, uh, they're unbeaten in 14 games with 9 wins and 5 draws and uh, Pellegrino's first match in charge was, I think it was their 16th round wasn't it, because they had, yeah, Fernando Beron was in charge for the um, the last two prizes. Yeah, the Olimpo was the first so, game. Yeah, so the Olimpo game was the first in charge, so since then they've won 8 and drawn 4 um, of the 12 games he's been in charge and they were 2 games unbeaten already when he took over. Um, so not a bad turnaround at no. all. Title form is what it would be if they were still in the title race, but they're not. It's um, Libertadores Leguisha form, let's say. It is indeed. Which could throw up a very, very interesting and for Racing fans, terrifying match. Yes, because as it stands at the moment, the entire uh, the, the matches in the Leguisha, the Leguisha is going to be two semi-finals, one match each, not two, not double-legged, and the home team will be the team. Um, who are higher placed in the table and then the finals so the winners of those two semi-finals will um, be played over two legs because why the fuck not Um, it's utterly bizarre the losers of the final go into the Nagisha Sudamericana we'll explain all of this in more detail a little later but basically at the moment it could but of course if Independiente are the best Argentine side in the Copa Sudamericana wow that's a loud motorbike it's, it's the same one that was outside your house last week, so presumably it's following you around just to piss you off. The park last <laughs> week. Uh, if Independiente had the best Argentine side in the Copa Sudamericana, then uh, it would drop down one place, the uh, the, the Ligisha, so you'd get the team in, uh, well, seventh, who at the moment are River, who of course are in next year's uh, Libertadores anyway, so potentially it could be a Estudiantes in eighth, and then we'd get all the Sudamericana um, places dropping down as well, as we mentioned last week. Um, but Independiente are in fantastic form at present much as it pains Dan to say it because Dan of course is a Racing fan Indeed. and Racing um, what did you make of them on Monday night Dan? I thought it was a, not a bad match actually no for uh, 0-0 it was a fantastic match what happened was um, Racing just couldn't finish uh, Enrique Bologna the, um, the Banfield keeper was absolutely shall I stop? no no carry on ah. yeah Bologna was in the form of his life and just stopped chance after chance after chance. Uh, Ricardo Noir had uh, had the chance to um, put one away against his old club. Gustavo Bo was once more the the Concordia Panther and uh, ripping apart the defence, but couldn't quite get that touch, which we've seen a few times over the last weeks. He's getting so many good chances and really terrorising his, his opposite number, in this case, uh, Gonzalo Bettini, who would have been would have been dreaming about Bo all week, I reckon, after the racing he got. But just that final touch for Racing, the the definition, let's say, was missing. Yeah. But uh, Manfield as well could uh, could have grabbed something out of it. We're we're able to see a chance missed by 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 Bo at the, the end of the match. It was pretty. Uh, he beat two. Yes. Came back in, beat another, and then just knocked it over the bar. But that that was, I think, because he was tired of. of Passing the ball to his teammates and, and, and for them to miss the, the opportunities. So that the one, the last one, the last chance. I think he he said, oh, "Okay, I, I I gave a lot of passes and they missed. Now I have yeah, to try myself." Yeah, some going for goal. I don't care because I'm. Uh, I don't know if you saw uh, Mariano Pavone's face in that moment. It was like, "Oh, but why didn't you pass? I was right there." But I think you understood as well. No, it was it was a chance to win. Um, to be honest, I don't think it makes 
that much difference in the grand course of the season because it would have technically left Racing's chances alive to um, to win the league, but I really, practically, they talking about chance. goal opportunities. Racing is expecting Carlos Núñez and, and Brian Fernandez to go back to the to the team. Yeah, Núñez would be um, a real boost if he can come back before the league Isha, which is unlikely but not impossible. Uh, it'll be a great boost because he's really a forward that apart from goals he gives you a lot of mobility in in the final third something which Racing has sometimes lacked uh, with Melito Pavone and there's been a lot of um, pressure on Bolsiem always to to create those chances uh, Fernandes as well we'll have to see how he how he's doing after after such a long time off and in such complicated circumstances you know for these for these drug charges Hmm? Quite complicated. He's said he's been training, hasn't he? He's been training, but training under under the fear that he could be banned for two years. That uh, uh, he's been caught up for taking cocaine. Mm. For you know, I'm talking about his mental state, his emotional sure. state. For such a young kid, it's not easy. There's a lot that can go off the rails with something like that. True. That's what I'm I'm getting at. Uh huh. Um, what do you think of Mariano Pavone, Dan? Because you've well, you're obviously going to be on the hand of pod. Uh, much more now, hopefully again, uh, now that you've changed jobs, but uh, for a while you weren't on, and that included, I think, for quite some time after Racing signed him from Belles, uh, a, a decision that we all mocked. How do you feel <laughs> he's done so far for them? He's been good, he's been good. I think what Pavani will always give you is honest performances, He he's, a, you know, he's not particularly technically gifted striker, and he's not going to you know, run 50 yards and beat five players, but... Uh, for someone to have in the penalty area, holding up the ball, uh, he's, he's useful to have, especially with those two long-term absences Racing have had up front, and and with Milito, who's uh, finally feeling the the creeping hand of time. Uh, he's he's coming and he's he's done a job. I've been I've been happy with him, so I can't I can't criticise Bavon. He's pleasantly surprised me for his mm-hmm. impact, definitely. Okay. The other two of the big five are San Lorenzo and Boca Juniors, who are, of course, the two frontrunners in the title race, except that now I think we probably have to talk about just one frontrunner in the title race. Let's talk about Boca first of all. Um, they got a 1-0 win on Sunday evening against Crucero del Norte, a match which was never really in doubt because they were playing Crucero del Norte. They took a very early lead through a Gabriel Tomasini own goal. Um, and was it that early? Oh, yeah. half, uh, 11 minutes it could have been even earlier yeah, yeah not very very early yeah. but um, they huffed and puffed a bit there after really yeah. like Carlos Torres missed a penalty um, as I say it could have been even earlier the lead with that penalty oh, it was that earlier right yeah, yeah of course it was um, second consecutive penalty missed by Torres as he yeah. also missed against Defensa Justicia for Copa Argentina oh yeah missed yeah. as in actually mm. put it wide or over rather than mm. had it saved as well yeah you're right I saw somebody tweet that I forgot but then it was Tevez who stepped up just after that with what probably should go down as the assist for the own goal let's say mm. he broke through the Crucero defence rounded Ramirez in goal and uh, as he knocked the ball back into the box uh, Tomasini was unfortunate enough to, to find himself in the way and it, and it went in it, yeah, it kind of sums up how, how things have been going for Tevez. He's in places, he's looked fantastic. He has that ability to to just break through, and, uh, really put other defences on the, on the back foot. 
But there's been a few things. <laughs> I mean, the missed penalties, the obviously the the controversy after his after his tackle on Ezekiel Ham. It's it's not been easy. But no one ever said it was going to be easy coming back to to Argentine football. But, uh, if you look at the record Boca have had since since Tevez came in, it's fantastic. It so is, now. That record is uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine, Take away the San Lorenzo game because he was twelve out of thirteen. Ten wins and two defeats in the league. T- uh, now nah, take away it's ten and eleven really because Tevez wasn't there for uh, San Lorenzo. Oh right, but I mean since he came yeah, back in terms yeah. of the uh, the time because undoubtedly he, he's been part of the group. Uh, for those, but you're quite right when he's actually been on the pitch. Yeah, it, it's um, it, it's ten out of eleven uh, with just a four-three loss to Union, which of course was hilarious. But <laughs> that was a great game. Ultimately, looks unlikely to cost Boca the title now because they went six points clear with this win. Um, Tevez actually said after the match she didn't like the performance at all. We've got to play better than that if we're going to seal the title, particularly with the running they've got. But ultimately, six points clear with three to play. Um, it looks unassailable now, Andres. No, they have. Of course, I think Boca will win the tournament. And after uh, Tomasini scored the own goal, I think they play, the players didn't want to say it, but they knew they, they knew that they would win that match. And, and, and it's not fear they, they, they had uh, about losing the match or, 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 or drawing it. Uh, but uh, self-confidence. Uh, some people said that they... Were fear they had some fear because uh, what happened because of, of, of uh, the Betancourt uh, mistake against San Lorenzo, which yeah. made them lose that match. But uh, I think that they, uh, they they knew by themselves that they would win that mm-hmm. match, and, and and that's why they they played so dreadfully. <laughs> uh, it wasn't really bad. I mean, just beating Crucero del Norte by a single goal isn't as sort of embarrassing as, as it sounds like when you look at Crucero del Norte's record because other teams have only beaten them by a single goal um, even if we just limit it to their own stadiums Rosario Central no hang on sorry I'm looking at Crucero del Norte's record here so I need to look at Visitante not Local yeah so, if you look in the last yeah, three games they've had three, three Clasicos and yeah. they've, only, they've lost each one only by a single goal three big fives you mean rather than Clasicos yeah Grand. But uh, yeah, so away they've lost by just a single goal to Venice on the second weekend. Okay, Venice last year. Um, Sarmiento, who again not that great, uh, but then away to Belgrano, who have a strong home record. Away to Arsenal, so mm, right, okay. Um, <coughs> Gimnasia, who I think were in much better form at the time than they are now. San Lorenzo, uh, they got thrashed by Argentinos, but then they lost just 2-1 to Banfield and then 1-0 away to Boca and obviously in sandwiched in between those was 1-0 at home to River Plate's reserve team um, just sort of for them to lose only by one goal isn't actually uh, that unusual and so in those terms you can kind of look at it and go well yeah but Crucero del Norte might have lost 14 out of 14 away from home now but they never make it easy for people but at the same time it was a really really bad performance from Boca mm. um, and, and with the not given penalty it was clear and, and some well journalists said oh no it wasn't so clear with their boots the boot of Catadias mm. uh, crashing with the, with the Maximiliano Liva chest mm. uh, just like yes. that <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. and no foul being given even um, because this was the thing that, that struck me I mean Crucero del Norte weren't even playing well against San Lorenzo for instance they lost 2-1 away from home having put in a performance which had us and, and numerous other people after the match 
saying you know, that it, everybody was really surprised by how, how good Crotoa and Lord they were. They were pretty bad themselves mm-hmm. on Sunday um, and came away with just a 1-0 defeat. But as we say, it's not almost certainly not going to affect uh, Boca's title hopes. They have a tricky running, as we've been saying for the last few weeks. They're away to the Racing uh, in a week and a half because there's no football this weekend due to the international break. They are at home to Tigre um, in the match after that, and then they're away to Rosario Central. So it's not an easy run-in. No, but four points... Four points from nine, and they're champions. Exactly, and what ultimately I think is going to decide it is the one other of the matches involving a big five side, which we haven't yet talked about last weekend, the match between the second-place team and the third-place team to decide ultimately who would stand the biggest threat to Boca in the run-in um, between San Lorenzo and Central, which I didn't see any of at all because I was coming no, back neither. from Africa. But it was a result tailor-made for Boca. And I gather it was a very, very good match as well. And an Andy Shelba scoring after, got 20 seconds. Okay. Um, before Rosario Central rallied and ended up taking a 2-1 lead with, with about 20 minutes to go. And then Sebastian Blanco got the equaliser for San Lorenzo. Andres, please tell me you saw some of this. Yeah, I saw some, some of the good. piece of the match. And, and uh, it was a frenetic match with a lot of, of, of uh, uh, well, strong uh, uh, plays with... I mean, uh, uh, what was what we knew it will it will be like that with with a lot of of, of friction of of, of talking uh, moments and and uh, uh, nerves and, and and protests and all of that which uh, made that match spicy more more spicy even more spicy but with a lot of good opportunities from one side and the other with Rosario Central that at uh, when they scored the the tremendous goal by Marco Ruben because it was a play made by a team that wanted really to be champions now I think they will not be like that but uh, after that goal by Marco Ruben which meant Rosario Central leading the match 2-1 I thought that uh, it would be like that the result would be in favor of of them Uh, but finally uh, an incredible mistake by Sheymar Pastor the Colombian Defender that had mm. uh, went into the into the match uh, instance before uh, made a, I don't know who was the man that made shot the cross to Sebastián Blanco. That's Gomez Gomez Andrade, right? Yes. Pastor being his nickname. Yes. Yes. That is that is the Colombian uh, the Alvarez Valanta of Rosario Central. To put it in. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing him against Racing last last December. He was all over the place. Though. He's, he's kind of this this defender. Who, like you know, once he's in the spotlight, he can do great things. He can like jump up a, for a, a corner ahead. I thought then, pretty uh, impressive just, couple of months a bit earlier yeah. this year. But I mean, he's capable of looking rather ragged at times, mm. certainly. And yeah, I mean, it, it was a noted improvement compared yeah. to the previous form. Oh yeah, similar to Balanda, similar to Shepherds. Like they have yeah. these, these defenders who have kind of these. Almost mental blackouts. Not, not the one trying to stereotype. No, no, defenders, of course. Because there's plenty of Argentine defenders. He, or, he, uh, the, the times I I, I, I could watch Seymar uh, Andrade or Gomez Andrade uh, was uh, very the, to, to put the ball away all the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, this time he wanted to put the body to the ball and he missed it. And mm-hmm. finally, the, the man who, who passed the ball to Blanco was clear. Mm-hmm situation to score and he did it and that was the finally the choo-choo which 
was not was not good for uh, not for San Lorenzo neither for Central, but San Lorenzo is still in the position to get a place mm -hmm. to the Copa Libertadores. So yeah. it wasn't so bad for them in that position. But in terms of their title hopes, of course, if they managed to win, then they would now be yes. four points behind Boca. And as we say, that then might have, you might have had Boca feeling just a little bit more nervous than they are because, uh, as we say, Boca's running six points clear. They're probably going to be okay. Four points clear with that running would have been a bit tricky. Yes, but Rosario Central winning that match will mean will mean San Lorenzo being third and having to play the Liguilla. Yes, mm -hmm. as it stands. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, so for yes. San Lorenzo, I guess yeah, you're saying at least they've got that uh, positive to to cling to from yes. the result. Yeah, yeah you're quite right. And on um, an individual level, we should talk about Marco Ru Ruben, right? Yeah. Absolutely. He's really. got to be a shoo-in for, for the fictional Player of the Year award. He's had a fantastic Do you, do you think he could win the uh, Sportsman of the Year thingy? What's it called? Oh, Christ. The, the Olympia, is it? The Argentine yes. Athlete of the Year, the one that Lionel Messi wins every year he's fit. I mean, Messi is currently yeah. injured for two months, so possibly Marco Ruben. He could. He's got time to, uh, to make up the distance, yeah. He's now got 20 Could goals be. this season. 20 he's, uh, goals. Claudio Biela as well, by the way, for Quilmes. Um, scored one for Quilmes in their 2-0 win over San Martín. Um, and as a result has now overtaken Fernando Cabanaki and is outright second top scorer, but he's got 12, so he's eight behind Ruben. Um we will mention Kilmes good moment in a minute, but you're mm. quite right, Dan. Marco Ruben continues mm. to play like he's never played before in his career. How old is he? 27? 28, 28, I think, yeah. He has a very good age in order, in order to go back to, I don't know, Europe, but... Yeah. Uh, some, some place. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm sure River... Uh, anyone but... By his hand. Anyone by except Daniel uh, Fernandez, please. But, um, and if he lives, for example, I am... Talking about the future, hypothetical future, not of course there is nothing, no news and no rumors. Mm -hmm. But Serbi, he Serbi will live. Mm. If Ruben lives too, well, it will be uh, yeah, it's a whole new well, rebuilding exercise. Supposedly, Cordet just told the central board he's, he's named. I think it was three players who he said he doesn't want. He wants to make untransferable this coming summer. That's Southern Hemisphere summer, obviously, and Ruben's one of them. I can't remember who the other... I think it was Donati and... Um, Neri, maybe. It might have been Neri Dominguez, um, who he said, I don't want to let these guys go. Uh, and the board have apparently said, OK, we will back you as best we can. Well, because Donati was mentioned as a possible uh, man to substitute uh, Maidana if he lives also. Aha, uh -huh, OK. So that's to fend off River Plate. It's going to be a summer where River are linked with every single player, right? Yes. That's the way it's going. Well, <laughs> yes. particularly, I mean, if, if they do well at the Club World Cup, if they get a decent fee for, um, say, Alvarez Balanta... And well, they'll have the cash from Granaviter coming in as exactly, well. Exactly, yeah, by, by Argentine the standards, game. they're going to be... Um, the problem is that for River, oh, it's going to be really there will nice. be several contract that will, contracts that will expire, and, mm. and they uh, are talking with their agents, and they're mm. far away from... Not they are not close for for to to, to uh, uh, seal an agreement and that means that a lot of players like for example Sanchez and Bescolici who were mentioned these mm. these days could leave even with no money for River because uh, Sanchez said he that in case he leaves will uh, give a, like a, I, I know how to put it, a, a money like in, thank you you here you have something like that and. Uh, <laughs> Because he 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 could live by, by yeah on a, a free agent, on a yeah. free transfer yeah. Yes. yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, losing Sanchez would be a big blow for, for River. Other matches over the weekend. I quite enjoyed Argentinos against Tigre. I was, ah, tell um, us about it, sir. Just taking a couple of new friends along over visiting uh, Buenos Aires and uh, to do the museum and whatnot after the game as well. Uh, don't ever normally really expect a, that good a match of football at Argentinos, um, if I'm being perfectly You're honest. You go more for the atmosphere, right? <laughs> Museum and the walk out onto the pitch, yeah. but uh, we we met um, we met the Sex Pistols ex bassist, oh, very very nice gentleman. Can't remember his name now. Glenn Glenn Matlock. You didn't get him to record um no I should have him, I didn't have a microphone with me. Always carry um, the microphone, sir. And he, he was a very nice gentleman. He's playing in uh, Flores tomorrow night at a place called Asbury. Tomorrow Asbury. night being tonight. So if you're in Argentina in Buenos Aires and uh, you hear this almost as soon as it goes online. Get down to Asbury and Flores, and you can meet Glenn Matlock. Don't tell him that you uh, were sent here by Handapod because he doesn't have a clue who that is. But there we go. The match itself was pretty good. Lautaro, Lautaro Rinaldi um, opened the scoring for Argentinos uh, about half an hour in. Martin Galmarini equalised for Tigre early in the second half, and everybody was sort of thinking, oh, this is going to be same old, same old again here. Same sort of stuff we've been watching with Argentinos for about the last four years. Um, but they got control of the game back really and Ronaldo Lenny scored um, a very nicely worked equaliser the finish took a deflection which helped it over the goalkeeper um, but the uh, the play and the, the build up to the goal was lovely um, to to win it for them with about 15 minutes to go so well done Argentinos it's been pretty prol- prolific Lenny's yes. uh, since he, he got the, into the yeah, team he's been, let's have a look at how many uh, Argentinos knew Lenny's who was coming back from the yeah. from he the definitely side. have six or seven I reckon you reckon yeah, I don't think. It, let's see. There you go, seven. Five. Ah, no. That's Rinaldi. Rinaldi has got. Uh, and believe it or seven, not, and Lenny's has got has got five. Yeah. Believe yeah. it or not, I think the one who carried Lenny's to Argentina Junior was Caruso Lombardi. Yes. There we go. He's a very well, young Caruso-like player, but yeah. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, no, he's he's sort of flashes for me. It, it, it's a bit uh, frustrating if, if he could. Um, Apply himself a bit more consistently. He could be a really good player. Um, unfortunately, he's. It's like uh, you could compare him. Was he Ecuadorian, Colombian? He's Colombian. I think. Colum- I think yes, Colombian. yes. You could compare, compare him, sorry, mm. to Mauricio Cuero with no so continuity in the game. I think Cuero is more like. There's a lot of young Colombian strikers around in the league where you might not expect them. You got Sebastián Barrincón there in there in Banfield. No, in Tigre. Yeah, he's been. He's yeah, again in fits and starts, he's he shows shows some good stuff. Mm. I can't remember who else. Little Freddy, the son of Freddy. Yeah. The um, other matches on Saturday, I mostly. Oh, you got the classico. We've got to talk about the classico. Yeah. Two classicos. Union against Colón being the main one. Um, mm. Somebody got a message. That was a very strange noise coming through the yeah table. Uh, Union against Colón being the main one. Better match than the nil-nil scoreline suggested. I didn't catch just, it. But just, about. just about. I think there was yeah. that. But I mean, it wasn't as good as the one a few weeks before, no. which was also nil-nil. <laughs> um, they have a habit of drawing these two sides. The overall record in the whole history of that Clásico is 26 wins for Union, 26 wins for Colón, and 31 draws now after that one. Um, so it is... Nothing if not balanced on a knife no. edge, the, the head-to-head there. Emmanuel Brites got a red card about an hour in, and that was the most notable thing about the game, probably, but really. What is notable also is that this draw makes Colón not to be totally saved from 
Oh, yeah, right, yeah. I mean, yes. That, yes, if Colonna won it, then they would have been, um, they'd have been safe, and you're very right indeed to point that out. Now, the boys from Mataeras are going to be snapping at their heels. Indeed, the reason that Colon needed to win that match in order to make themselves safe is that Nueva Chicago are enjoying something of a resurgence of late. Mm-hmm. They have beaten Vélez Sarsfield 2-1 on Sunday. Uh, they Sorry, they did beat Vélez Sarsfield 2-1 on Sunday. I'm getting my tenses mixed up here in this <laughs> language. That's very embarrassing. Yeah, um, through goals from Milton... Milton Carrasco, no, Mauricio Carrasco, thinking Milton Carrasco, um, and Alejandro Gagliardi, who's been in pretty good scoring form himself in recent weeks, um, cancelling out and indeed completely overturning a very early goal from Emiliano Amor, and that was very early, it was two minutes in. Um, Chicago actually had a man sent off just over an hour in, and still managed to uh, aguantar to put up with the, uh, the, the Vélez onslaught that ensued, partly because the Vélez onslaught was not really much of an onslaught. It's just, a, yeah. just an irony what happens with Vélez because uh, there are a lot of kids, a lot of young players, yeah. but yeah. the one who co- made a terrible mistake was Leandro Somoza, who the made the, the second goal possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're in dire straits, Vélez, and I've got um, an out ex-work workmate in, in ambido.com who does the sports there, and he's a Vélez fanatic, and all year he's been putting his hair out. You could say for one side it's because the king, the team's been absolutely gutted and I think as we just saw on the stats that sampled up that nine out of out of out of, out of the starting eleven were, were kids um, probably 20, 21, 22 or under the senior players Caraglio and Somoza aren't putting their weight and Russo has not had a good year at all on on the bench he's they made a lot of bad performances is uh, is yeah it's a combination no, of everything but is Nani is playing a, no Nani is not playing as a, a normally playing uh, Roberto Nani because there no. Nani is another experienced player Ivan Vela could be an experienced player because he uh, may not be old but he has certain mm-hmm. experience so we ha- you have perhaps a mixed team between kids and uh, players with experience there is uh, the Olay website by the way we've not mentioned this yet on Hand of Pod I'm going to mention it now has been redesigned oh it's awful that's it's absolutely, absolutely dreadful terrible. it's near unnavigable but I one think of the, the, things, the famous Olay intern did it right yeah and the uh, w- one of the, the most ridiculous points is that the their new <coughs> statistics section doesn't allow you to see the relegation table <laughs> they've also got a habit of listing all of the uh, fixtures each weekend not in the order that the fixtures are going to be played not even in the order of the days they're going to be happening at times um, although they do put them in order afterwards by the look of this and a couple of weeks ago one of the stats tables that was available on the Ole site and which I've just tried to get to now and isn't um, was a table of the average ages of all of the match day squads <laughs> so far this year for every team as I say, it's not there now, but two weeks ago I had a look at that out of curiosity, suspecting that I knew which team were going to be the youngest. And sure enough, Venice Sarsfield had the youngest average age of any of the 30 teams in the Primera. Racing um, would have to have one of the oldest, though, I imagine. I can't remember where Racing was at all, uh, were at all. But um, it was illustrative for me that not only have they got such a, a young side, but also, as Andres says, Leandro Solosa was awful. Um, the other day and has been seriously off form for a while now and the, uh, the other kind of really major um, player with loads of experience Dan's mentioned Milton Caraglio but the other is Fabian Cubero who is Mr. Yes. Vélez Sarsfield he's, he's the all time now yeah. the all time leading, um, leading appearance getter for the club 
Um, and he just keeps on getting sent off. So it's like two of the three guys who they've got who are over the age of like 12 are setting such an awful example, particularly Cubero. He got a ban at one point earlier this year of eight matches because he picked up a fifth yellow card, I think it was, had the suspension postponed because one of the other players got injured on international yeah. duty with Argentina under 20. Got sent off. Got sent off in the match. Got another 225. Got another one. Got and then got sent off again. So he accumulated two red cards and, and a fifth yellow card suspension, which meant that he was out for, I think one of them was for violent conduct as well. Yeah. So he was out for like eight games. It's such, and that might even be why he's still, no, he's injured now, isn't he? Yeah. I think he's coming. No, yeah, he came back from suspension and injured himself. Yeah. He's out it's for the rest of the season, I think. Such a terrible, terrible experience to, uh, um, experience, example to, to set your younger players when you have such a young side. And in that respect, Russo has done poorly, yes, and, and in a way it's sort of um, what we were expecting of Ellis in the second half of the year, particularly because they spent the first half of the year with the board all saying, mm. we're going to go on a major cost-cutting exercise in the second half of the year. Blah blah blah. You've got to, you know, and, and so as a result, they've not put any pressure on Russo. But at times, you need somebody to manage the manager as well. And there's got yeah. to be more than this because they look completely directionless when you watch them. It's bizarre. It's, I think I think more than anything, what we're seeing in Villas this year is a cautionary tale. Because if you look back, even just two years, maybe three years, uh, Villas were um, winning the title. Not maybe. Pretty much every year, every year and a half, one of the titles was going to Vélez. They had a settled squad, and I'm sure uh, the press and us among them every week fell over to praise them, the model team, the model institution, this, that, and the other. And the fall from grace, it, when it occurred, it happened so quickly. Like The team got gutted, and all these debts came out of the woodwork, and, and now, yeah, they they got a team which is almost entirely made out of youth players and not particularly good ones not like in other in other years where they had you know the likes of Perusi some uh, Ricky Alvarez and these kind of players uh, there's a few gems in there but then you know the best players around are, are very raw and and they need to improve a bit more yeah it's, it's possibly not <coughs> quite as um as, as frequently as you made out but just over the last 10 years the champions no team has won the league as much as Venezuela no precisely in the last few years. from the 2005 class Sora which was the one that they won after quite a while of waiting for one about 4 years let's say the, yeah the previous one was 98 class Sora so 7 years later 2005 class Sora you've got in order the champions of Argentina since then are Venezuela Southfield 2005 class Sora Boca Juniors Boca Juniors Estudiantes San Lorenzo Lanús River Boca Vélez, Banfield, Argentinos, Estudiantes, Vélez, Boca, Arsenal, Vélez, Newells, and then Vélez won their sort of final between those two, and then they just dropped off a cliff. Obviously, since then, it's San Lorenzo, River, Racing. No, in the initial 2013, they fought it to the last day against San Lorenzo. Yes, and, oh, you're right, yeah, they did, and that's the other thing, because a lot of the ones that they didn't win at the championships there. I've just read out, they were very much yeah, fighting, which is why you get the impression. That one against the Estudiantes, I think they finished second as well. And they've won how many titles in their history? Can we remember? Let's yeah, get it up here. those four, um, and probably two more. They have won one, two, three, four, five. So they, they've won five national titles, first division yeah. titles before the 2005 Class Sura and since the 2005 Class Sura including it they've won one two three four four, <laughs> four plus the Super Final so if I, I think that one is the one that counts as an extra title even though it shouldn't so yeah it is isn't it because we, we got very upset when they were awarded it so that's you know 
officially at least five, but <coughs> at least four out of nine legitimate first division titles mm-hmm. that they've won. And they've won them in the last ten years, and suddenly they've just fallen off. They've, it's certainly the worst Velez side since I've been watching Argentine mm-hmm. football, which is in the last twelve years. Yeah. And I have at least one follower, uh, Velez supporting follower on Twitter, who is of the opinion that it's the worst Velez side ever. Wow. Um, There's also people who say it's kind of a return to normality because obviously, if you look historically, Velez were never amongst. Uh, the teams that were always fighting for the title always they, picking up but they normally at least have an idea what they were doing on the pitch and they just they look clueless now it's, yeah. uh, it's very strange other notable matches from the week anyway to move on from Velez's suffering uh, yeah, as we mentioned with Bieler and another win for Quilmes who yeah. have been electric they are now 10 games unbeaten with 8 wins and 2 draws mm-hmm. and the 2 draws both against Tempele yeah. um, with that deadly draw of Drubi Gormes and Bieler and the worst striker in the history of football. I think they equally impressively, Kilmes have now not conceded in four matches in a row. Sorry, Andres. The, the coming back uh, prize will be for Independiente and Kilmes. Yeah, yeah. I think mm. it was. It is like that. Absolutely. Um, and Aldo Civi against Lanús mm. is the other match that we need to mention. It was on Monday evening, and kickoff was delayed by about ten minutes um, because Aldo Civi's. Uh, uh, Forward midfielder, sort of man who does a lot of running around, Pablo Luguercio, uh, was hit in the face by a stone thrown from the Lanús end mm-hmm. of the stadium. It was the one match of the weekend in which away fans were allowed into the ground, and as a result of it, there are now rumours, rumours at the moment, because apparently there are negotiations mm-hmm. happening to reverse the decision that was taken yesterday, um, that there will not be any away fans allowed back into Argentine mm-hmm. Stadium for the rest of the year again. This is the country that we live in, and this is the state of football, or rather of fandom, that it's reached. Um, it would be a shame for me. It would be a shame if this incident led to another banning, because it's, it's basically saying that you know, you've got a whole province, a whole security system, a whole football association, which are basically hostage to one violent idiot that... But at the same time, they're hostage to their own inability to actually take the problem seriously. No, of course, but this is never going to get solved... If at the first sign of trouble, you just um, go for the lifeboats. No, precisely. I so, I mean, the worst thing they can do now is is take away away fans again. I mean, I think I was listening to Aníbal Fernández, the, um, the presidential secretary and aspirant, Buenos Aires province governor, who made the point that if we talk about getting rid of away fans and that, then we're not getting to the problem. What we've got to do is go in arrest this guy, chuck him out and make sure he never comes back to, to football again. Obviously he's in the middle of a campaign. And, and in which country does Aníbal Fernández think he's living if, that, if, if he's actually suggesting that's going to happen? This is going to be Aníbal's province. You're going to see how it becomes like Switzerland. It sounds like San Luis to me. He, he said he will work hard in order to, for the people to have the best province they yeah. never had. So Yeah. So but in this relocate point, everybody yeah. to San Luis and at this point, I'm with him. I mean, you can't. If you want, go on. Then we'll we'll get rid of the away fans, and we'll still have these violent episodes every now and then. So yeah, why not? We'll get rid of home fans but as well. And you've got to just at some point, you've got to just grab this and say, look, what are we going to do to stop this violence? Of course, you you hit a stone, uh, uh, something to the to the yeah. ground, and, and hit the player. You yeah. you will never come back to to see him again. And you will be uh, arrested 
whatever. But yeah. you, you also, in my opinion, have to punish the club because the others, the other supporters, when see a, a, a stupid guy like this, mm. will say, "Hey, don't throw anything because we will be punished. Yeah. We will be punished, not only you." Yeah. It's interesting, actually. I don't know if you guys caught the um, caught the statements of the Mare Plata police chief, the guy who was in charge of the security operation. Uh, he said that in this case, uh, Aldo Civi had expressly been been told not to warm up where they warmed up because obviously they've been accustomed to warm up in the uh, Italian Mundialista of Mare Plata in a particular spot without away fans. Uh, according to the police chief, they were told four times not to go and warm up in that spot because it was close to the to the Lanús group and they said no this is this is Cabela this is uh, a tradition we've had all season and they did yes. it because they've had such amazing home right? we don't know <laughs> no they've been pretty good yeah, the, the truth is that we don't know if Boca five, five wins five draws four defeats in their own stadium not too bad I'm not sure about Cabela there really carry on that dress no the truth is that the truth is that we don't know what will happen if Boca real plays again or the second half of the match that they couldn't because of the Panadero, but all 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 Boca supporters we know we re, we do know that all Boca supporters are will kill Panadero Diaz mm -hmm. Napolitano sorry yeah. Diaz. Uh, so uh, that that is what you get when a, a team is eliminated or this is not a, a able to play to continue playing because a, a, a supporter or, mm -hmm. or Barra Brava whatever hits a player, a rival, or, or throws papers, play or whatever, mm -hmm. because they won't con they won't continue playing. That's and that would hurts the real supporter. Yeah, yeah, completely. Indeed, the match itself was uh, not bad. Pretty good yeah. performance. The worst actually played the first half after getting hit in the face. Uh, and the worst, yes, the worst, the hit played trooper. until 50 minutes, and then he came over to the bench. And told the manager um, Fernando Quiros that, that his yeah. his vision was going slightly blurry, and Quiros <laughs> stopped him off straight away. That's why he's everyone okay, loves Luarcia. He's a warrior. Yeah, Racing is an idol, apart from, aside, yeah. uh, the despite the fact he made he scored about five goals in a hundred games but for a striker. And Luarcia, the, the hit player, continue continue playing playing. That would, that is also yeah. a mistake because uh, uh, people saying that uh, uh, players are the health, the healthiest thing of football mm -hmm. and I think it's not like that because if of course if you say I can't continue playing which was true mm -hmm. because then he had to be assisted in a center clinic, yeah. medical center because of diagnosed with uh, something or other on the an, an ulcer. ulcer on the ulcer. cornea mm -hmm. um, which apparently according to the the, the um, optician who diagnosed him is something that is going to clear up itself in about three yeah, days nice it's going to hurt like buggery for the rest of the week and he'll be okay Some by the pretty time pretty nasty migraines but yeah. which is very lucky but um, yeah it's strange actually ha I mean curious let's say that this happened in Mare Plata because if there's one stadium that is used to, um, to receiving away fans it's uh, it's a Mare Plata stadium yeah, for all the summer all tournaments summer. winter tournaments uh, they always have both sides, and we're talking about Boca River games, mm. Racing Independiente games, and all in all, the organisations pretty pretty slick. I've been to been to a couple of, of summer summer tournament games. Sorry, Sam, I know you, this is almost a sacking offence in no no. I, pod. I went to one. I went to River Racing there about go. in two thousand and seven, yeah. and the organisations pretty pretty decent. You got more chance of. Uh, 
getting beaten up on the beach at, in the afternoon if you're wearing <laughs> if you're wearing a different shirt than actually in and around the stadium. Hmm. Andres, sorry, yeah. on. sorry, we interrupted you. So. Uh, yes, I, I was going to say that if if Luisio uh, will will have said, okay, I can't continue playing and I don't want the match the match to be played neither. Uh, all the squad will pro- protest and say mm. that they 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 wanted to continue playing, but the lack of of, of uh, how do you say it? Uh, compañerismo. Uh, solidarity, yeah. Yes, uh, lack of solidarity means that uh, a player is hit by something, and and, and his 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 eye is uh, then is is uh, in danger, and 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 it's normal. It's something like well, okay, you continue playing, and and, and this is it, and 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 and, and that's why I think uh, things difficulty will change because. Mm-hmm. If the players that they are the the key uh, stars or the key uh, the the main stars of the of the of the game mm-hmm. don't don't uh, care themselves, what do you what do yeah. you want to expect from the from the idiots that are outside the precisely absolutely we're going to take a break now. When we come back from that break, we will talk about Argentina's two upcoming World Cup qualifiers against Ecuador in the Monumental on Thursday night and against Paraguay in the Defensores del Chaco on Tuesday night. Um, we will also have listeners' questions to answer um, and we will have freshly refilled glasses of Fernet, so yeah, don't yeah. go away. Thursday evening, um, a few hours time, um, by the time most of you hear this, or by the time the first of you hear this at least, Argentina will be playing Ecuador in their first match of the Russia 2018 World Cup, beginning the campaign to try and hopefully um, get back to where they left off at the last World Cup, but maybe just one position higher. Um, They've got to do so without Lionel Messi, who apparently has been taking the piss out of Sergio Aguero with uh, instant messaging on their mobile telephones, which I hear is how the kids communicate these days. Um, WhatsApp is called, something like that? Yeah. What's what's happening then? Something along those lines. I don't have it on my phone, and I know you don't either, Dan, because no. we're both massive technophones. Okay, here we go. Um, apparently he's been sending him messages saying, are you really going to use the number 10? You're going to shit yourself, which uh, amused me slightly. I think that was actually before the Bolivia game. Ah, uh, was it? First used it, yes. Oh, okay. Or one of those camps. Aguero certainly said that he, he does it all the time when on the rare occasions that Aguero takes the number 10, but uh, they always seem to enjoy themselves, so that's the main thing, I suppose. Yeah. Anyway, Eric Lamela has been called up to the squad to replace Messi, um, but it appears that Angel Correa is going to be the man who actually does replace him in the starting 11. And um, no one was called up to replace Enzo Perez and... Ever Manega or Marcus Rojo who well, are the other absences either nobody was called up to replace them or Martino thinks Eric Lamela is really 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 good I'd like to see Lamela left back maybe potentially <laughs> he's good then 
potential. Yeah, do you show he can them? be good. He can be also immensely frustrating as any Spurs fan. I tell you. He has been blinding so far this season for them, from what I've heard. Um, but the news at the moment around the national team is that have we got a rough starting eleven for I can recite it for you. Yes. It will be Sergio Romero in goal. Controversial. Roncaglia in defence. Roncaglia which is a little more controversial. I think Zavaleta is not quite fit. Mm-hmm. Or they prefer to, to save him for the, for the away trip to Paraguay, which is a little bit more daunting. Roncaglia, Otamendi, Garay and Emmanuel Mas. Okay. Um, in the middle, Villa, Machirano and Pastore up front. Co- Correa, Agüero and Di Maria. Agüero playing alongside what I've dubbed Sergio's Angels. Okay. Very good. How come Tevez is not in the starting lineup? Oh, because Aguero is a far superior centre forward and Martino only plays with one centre forward. And also, Aguero scores goals for the Argentine national team from time to time, and Sergio uh, and uh, Carlos Tevez has a fairly well established record of not doing so. Anyway, for, it's a mistake for me to consider Tevez as a number nine or as a number or center, center striker as Martino does, but well. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with the team. I might have opted for, for Dybala instead of Correa, but I think I what see Martino Dybala. likes to see is uh, this team's going to give him a lot, of, a lot of pace, a lot of direct attacking, which I think when it's worked, we saw against Bolivia, at least that seven-nil win in in the United States, it was a similar uh, starting attacking lineup, but with Levetsi in, in Di Maria's place. Di Maria was uh, yeah. staying in Paris. I, to get I, and this been the times when Argentina have arguably played best. Uh, if you look back to the four-two win against Germany as well, it's the same. You know, without this kind of player in the final third, he likes to take his time on the ball and and think it's like it's. Uh, it's a system which is more, you know, goes straight for goal and and use the whole width of the pitch, and it works. It can be can be very effective. Obviously, now in a in a competitive game, this the stakes are higher. But I, I like the team. Um, I'm glad to see Correa there, and especially after all he went through last year, it's, but it's I think very positive. I won't put any money, but I would bet that uh, Correa will play this match against Ecuador, and then against Paraguay, Dybala will be the one against. Uh, Replacing Correa, I think. I think. It's yeah. It's, he's got um, yes. he's got choices in the squad, which is nice to see. And it's good to see. I think my biggest criticism of Martino since he's taken over is that he's been very reticent to use these this kind of new generation of players. He's stuck with what I call the generation of 2005 and 2010. These guys that came up together in those two uh, youth World Cup wins. So it's, for me, it's only positive to see see some new blood and um, with Emmanuel Mas we've got um, a local a local participant in the squad and also as we've just found out the first San Juanino for 42 years to, to play um, a competitive Argentine match yeah which is uh, who was the last very Excel? long time the last one was Among very few of the previous San Juaninos, that's people from San Juan province, by the way, for the listeners who don't speak Spanish, uh, who have dressed in the Albi Celeste shirt of football, um, is Jose Eduardo Naim. Andres, heard of him? <laughs> okay. 
a, a defensive like. midfielder who was part of the amateur team which participated in the 1934 World Cup. He was born in the city of San Juan, uh, known as El Turco, or the Turk, um, as is recorded in the dictionary Who is Who in the Argentine Selection National Team. I'm trying to translate whilst reading this for the first time in Spanish, listeners, so please bear with me. Written by Julio Macias, it's a very well-known book, in fact. Um, he was the captain in the 3-2 defeat against Sweden in the only match... El único partido disputado... Oh, he must mean the only match that he played for them, I think. Yeah. Look, the way it's written, it doesn't say that, but anyway. Um, he had a very strong shot and played in the provincial selection because they used to be uh, like provincial national sides. Um, no, this was uh, the best of each province. Precisely, yeah. 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 So it's uh, not national. No, true, yeah. <laughs> provincial team, uh, yeah. Yes. Um, in the Copa Adrian Becar Barrera adds the book. And he died which, of electrocution. Yes, which also says that he died of electrocution at yeah. 52 years of age. Um, after that, we so have one. Then Oscar Ramon Fornari, um, who was born in the localidad of Media Agua, half water. Not we don't know what the other half was. No. This is a great story, actually. This is definitely for, for one of our special handapods the story of the Selección Fantasma. Special hand of pods that we always talk I, about having and then never actually done before. Talking about so, provinces, yeah. I guess you don't know who was the the player before La Pulga Rodriguez from Tucumán to play for national team. If you remember is it, is it Maradona called up uh, La Pulga Rodriguez from Atlético Tucumán to play for. Mm-hmm. Is it somebody we're going to know, Andres? Is it a reasonably recent name? No, no, I I need I don't know it either. Ah, right, but okay, uh, uh, perhaps as as we are talking about province. Yeah. Players, yeah. Well, we got Kranaviter in the current one, of course. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. The Selección Fantasma is a great story. This kind of uh, improvised team that went up to to Tilcara in Jujuy to get used to the altitude, and then went to play in in Bolivia. Which mm. I remember um, it was one of the very few times Mostaza Merlo played for the for the national team. He was part of that squad. But he didn't like the um, the altitude. He yeah. he asked to go home, and I think he never got picked again. And Fornari is the guy. The, the the San Juanino is the gentleman who scored the goal, the only goal of that match when they won one nil. Uh, that was in September '73, and the next time Argentina won in La Paz was two one um, under Jose Pekerman in March 2005. So there, there you go. go. With so, a diving header as well. And it looks <laughs> like in fact that Fornari is in fact the the previous one, yeah. isn't it? Because yeah, that is 42 years ago. Yeah. And yeah. Yes, that's it right there. So there we go. He's the yeah. third someone not to play for them at least in the professional there's, era. There's a bit of Argentine history for you. This Indeed. is what makes us the best Argentine football podcast around. Absolutely. Um, what else were we going to say? Lionel Messi. He's not in the squad, obviously. Um, ah, and we've, Dan has just pointed out a confirmation to me, by the way, that uh, visiting public will be uh, still in the stadiums in the province of Buenos Aires. Thanks, so mate, and you are. Indeed. If we get um, well done, a sponsorship yeah. from Manuel, we'll, we can drink free for next and a night or so. Well, possibly just three kilos, which I wouldn't be so keen on, but anyway. Some powder oficial, aren't they? Oh, no, yes, but yeah, it's uh, precios uh, cuidados. Like, yeah. I was going to say guardados then, and I knew that was wrong, so I stopped myself saying it and then realised I was just being silent. Thank you, Andres. Um, Lionel Messi's not in the squad. <coughs> we should try and stick to football here rather than talk about alcohol. Um, is that going to affect Argentina? Positively or negatively? Ooh. If, I've asked the question. If you don't have the best 
player in the world in your team, it can never be a positive thing, let's say. What I've been saying in, in several places for the last week is that obviously Messi's going to be missed. He's the kind of player who can change a game in a flick of his left foot. But it's also an opportunity for Argentina to, to play in a different way. Um, as a team, rather than as a team, yeah, giving the ball to as a team and, and not just like relying on Messi, and also with a little bit more, um, more velocity, um, more direct, um, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing how they react. Uh, I think uh, definitely uh, Aguero is going to be extremely important, and luckily he's going into the game in, in fairly decent form. I hear on, at the weekend he, he got a couple of goals. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see. It's it's an interesting clash. Uh, definitely, you can't take Ecuador for for granted. They like to hit you on the counter. They got Jefferson Montero and Antonio Valencia, who, especially with uh, Argentina's rather green fullbacks, could could enjoy themselves uh, if mean, they get forward. But maybe. But at the same time, I think that to an extent, when you're playing at sea level, you largely can take Ecuador for granted. In fact. Possibly. Possibly. Copa America was just... Yeah, they were awful. Awful in the Copa America. But they're going to want la revancha. They're going to want to get back in it. It's going to be a very even World Cup qualifying, I think. Uh, Aside from Argentina, possibly Colombia and Chile, I don't think any teams really stand out. A lot of of the sides, Brazil, Uruguay, are in kind of... Brazil will have Kakabak. Yeah, but they're in kind of rebuilding mode. They don't know their their strongest team possibly. So I'm I'm looking forward to this qualifier campaign. I think Brazil Chile has has all the elements to be a to be a fantastic match. It's on once another game. Are either of you going to be at the Ecuador game tomorrow night? No, I'm hoping to get to Argentina Brazil if I can get I'm accredited properly. I'm definitely buying a ticket for that one. But, um, I don't buy tickets so much. Else. Yeah, it will be uh, possibly. Eating empanadas, watching the game. But not going to. No, no, no I won't for sure. Uh, I, and I can say with no shame of it uh, that I haven't uh, watched any national team match in, in the stadium. I I hope uh, if Aníbal Fernández is here in this podcast that we can solve this. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think I'm an official pitch side hander pod. Yes. Um, yes. With us frantically translating and from Spanish would be would be very good. I think like Anibal is in your court, mate. I think like like uh, English Dan uh, talking about the uh, how Argentina will make uh, to play how we play with no Messi and is it all it means a challenge itself and uh, it's a good opportunity of at the same time for the players that uh, are uh, are not the w- the best players of the world to. See how they they make it, and mm. how they play. Yeah, um, as I've kind of hinted, I'm looking forward to seeing how they play without Messi because they might just not. Well, they're not going to be able to rely on him as much, and so hopefully they'll be able to. A few of the players who maybe we've been looking at and uh, criticising for relying too much on Lionel Messi are going to step up at last. Um, we will move straight on to listeners' questions now. Uh, we had these ones last week, so I'm trying to now find the beginning of this week's questions. They are... Here we are. Right, Lawrence Hart, uh, after last week's episode, said that he always thought that Spurs would be the English Racing 
Fans full of unquantified optimism based on past glories and obsessed by their red-wearing neighbours. But anyway, vamos la cadena. Dan, do you have a reply to that? No, he's completely wrong. Racing don't live from off of Independientes. The other way around. Uh, Independiente, the name's a complete misnomer because a more dependent club on on the ups and downs of their neighbours is impossible to find. But you can't really deny the um, living on past glories bit, surely? Mm, Possibly. He's got it with the optimism. I don't know if Racing kind of ever lived on the past glories. It was more a case of the fact that those past glories were always expected to be followed by new glories, which mm. didn't really arrive. But we'll I'd say Diego Meliente live off past glories. Will Diego Melito continue being a glory, a, 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 an actual glory, or will he be a past glory because he's not playing very much? Ah, he's both. He's both. Melito is Melito. He's won the title last year. I don't think you can call him a past glory yet. The past is what, at least five years, even in Argentina, even in Argentina. Well, in Argentina, the past lasts a little longer than in a lot of places. I mean, this is a country where the 1980s never really died, of course, uh, in so many ways. Anyway, Roberto Rojas asks: Can Marcelo Gallardo surpass Ramon Diaz' success at River Plate in terms of silverware won? Andres, I think. Of course, Ramon Diaz has won had won a lot of things, a lot of titles, but Gallardo is on the point of being I think, the best, the most important. I know, I know it's the best because you can have your taste and, and your opinion, but uh, in terms of importance of the times or the consecutive wins of titles, uh, the most important uh, coach in the history of River. Yeah. If he continues like this, of course, now there is a gap and there is something. He, I think he, he, he will solve uh, in terms of the how the world the team is fu- is functioning. Yeah. We should remember that through River have uh, fought for in the last year for every you know for all the tournaments they've been involved. Uh, Gacharo in in River has has been there less than eighteen months. Yes. Compared to um, I don't know how long you could say for Diaz bringing together all his different spells. What eight years maybe. Quite possibly. Conservative. No, I mean, it's not that important, but uh, comparing the two, I mean, obviously, Gacharro has got an incredible my opinion, win, uh, winning rate for. In my personal opinion, Gachardo, I think he's in the overall, uh, in the average, he's better in terms of how he plans the. how he wants the team to play and how the team plays then in the, in the, in the pitch. Uh, Except this uh, last matches, uh, mm-hmm. especially Independiente, that the team yeah. didn't play as a team. But uh, he he have has all things clear, and he knows. And, and even when play the team doesn't play good, well, he says, "Well, we didn't play well, and this is it." And you you have to have to see Ramon Diaz have putting some excuses. And, and saying, not giving technical explanations. Of, yeah. we, of can also, we can also say um, what Gacharro's got out of this squad uh, he has at uh, his disposal, which is a good squad, but let's say compared to, to the Riverside of the 1990s, you think he's, uh, he's punching above his weight, right? Or, yeah. or, is this bec- or is this because South American football has declined since well, the 90s? Well, it's a bit 90s. of both, isn't it? Yeah. But it's also the economy. I mean, you're talking about Aymar and 
Gallardo himself, uh, Saviola, Ortega, these kind of guys who um, were available to uh, Diaz. And you know, you fast forward to 2015 River and they had uh, Funes Mori as an idol. It's almost, <laughs> almost as if the uh, Argentine peso isn't worth one US dollar anymore. Remarkable. Very possibly. Very one possibly. other thing that, that is going to get in the way, potentially, even if Gachado does hang around and, and starts to win you know, regular uh, domestic titles as well as on the continental level, um, is the fact that there are fewer league, tri- league titles to be won from this point on. Mm. Um, because, of course, Ramon Diaz won a fair few as a league. T- I've just closed his Wikipedia, uh, having <laughs> more or less confirmed, by the way, that he was out River in total for about six or seven years, by the way. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he racked up a few league title wins, which in an era when it was possible to win two league titles mm-hmm. per 12 months of course that era only ended very very recently um, but it's an era in which Marcelo Gachado is no longer operating so you know, in order to win three consecutive league titles Gachado is going to have to hang around for three years whereas Diaz was able to do it in 18 months uh, he um, could win one by the end of by the end of June at least yes of this course, yeah, the first half of next year there will be one slightly ridiculously set up um, league campaign for which check the last 20 minutes or so of last week's episode if you're not familiar with the what's the word format that we're going to be operating the Premier DBC on on for the first half of next year uh, Johnny asks what is the continuing allure of La Mela for the national team as I said he's playing very well at the he's, just, he's a very good player yeah I think um, it's I think tough to fit him into this Argentina team because he's not an out and out playmaker like Pastore for, for example and if you're gonna play him out wide, in you know, as one of the one of the points in in the trident, he hasn't got kind of this blistering pace and an attacking prowess of uh, Di Maria or uh, Correa. Mm. It, he's kind of struggled to to find his spot, I'd say. But he's he's a very good person to have on the bench, at least. Yeah, and at least have a lookout for for options as well. I would have thought. Uh, but yeah, I mean. Right now, he's obviously struggled somewhat last season, but at the moment, as we said a couple of times already in this episode, he's playing very, very well. Um, so, good luck to him. Sasha asks, when do you think Gashardo will move to Europe, assuming that he does at some point? Mm-hmm. He's recently signed the contract extension through to the middle of 2017, isn't yes. it? Or, yeah, of course, because there'll, there'll be um, uh, European-style seasons back in Argentina. If, if he stays at River and contract uh, is respected by... Mm. Even him and, and the board members, because uh, I think there is not a clause that says that he can leave it in order, uh, depending of uh, an offer. Of no, well, it was it was very much publicised when he signed the contract, and there wasn't any such clause, wasn't it? Yeah, so, so uh, if uh, everything goes well and, and he doesn't need to resign or, or something like that, he will possibly leave in 2017 and. and uh, luckily for him to Europe why not mm. I don't I don't know I don't want to guess where he could because uh, for example Matias Almeida is not a, hasn't won the titles that Gallardo did but he's at Mexico right now with the Chivas Rayadas I'm doing bloody good yes, bloody uh, well sorry yes. <laughs> uh, why? so why not for example a, a place like Mexico or, or well Uruguay is is here is yeah. uh, near Argentina is the limit, but he has played there. He has already played there and has already became became a manager when he retired. So there are a lot of places I think he can go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're thinking probably the end of his current contract, 
if he respects his current contract, but you would think that if he does, then by that point he'll be possibly looking for new challenges, particularly because if he's still the manager in two years, that's going to suggest that he's still going to be successful in, um, in two years' time. And, and, uh, and there we are, it's a big if, but there we go. Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, says Independiente are a team who are high in confidence. Would you tip them to win the Sudamericana? They've got as much chance as anyone. I think from what I saw of the round of 16 games, it's poss- quite possibly between them and, and River. Yeah, you've got to think it's an Argentine club because the rest I mean, of River the, the, rest of the continental group um, don't really set the world on fire. No. Especially the Brazilian contingent, which Chapa Coins. Well, they've been playing very well in recent weeks, in fact, and um, it's going to be interesting for me to see them against River, but obviously River have built up this knockout stage mentality since Gachardo took charge Um, and I think that that might possibly give them the edge but at the same time Independiente are as Liam says the team in form at the moment when would they meet in the final itself Um, well if they both reach the semis yeah saying they keep progressing it will be in the final Um, I know they're in the semi-final because they get rejected don't they Yes. Um, so the semi-finals must so it require three Argentine sides in the semis in order for them to start but a chance of meeting. The anonymous team that will face Independiente, I think, won't be that easy. <coughs> Who are they playing? Sorry, Independiente Santa Fe. Colombia. Of course, yes, it's Independiente against Independiente. With Gustavo Costas, uh, Racing fan and Racing idol, so he's really going to want to take him down. He will put Come on, Costas. Come on, Gustavo. Watch this space, but certainly they're in the quarters already. It's only a very short tr- tournament, the Sudamericana. There's no reason that they can't be up there. Um, former, I've got faith in Costa. Former Racing mascot. The mascot of the Equipo de José in 67, the standard bearer of the club uh, when they were in the Nacional B and, and then got uh, <coughs> got promoted. He was in the Supercopa Sudamericana team and the Coco Basile. And then he had a couple of uh, spells coaching... Yeah, Racing's lowest ebb. Unbelievably, going to to the second division wasn't Racing's lowest ebb. No, no. Because they've had quite an interesting twenty-first it's been, it's been an up and down uh, fifty years. Mm. But yeah, Liam also asks, and this is one that I hinted that we'd be getting earlier on. It's a long shot, but can Nueva Chicago f- pull off the great escape? <laughs> And can we please have a Nacional Bay update? We will do the latter just after this. But uh, first of all, I completely forgot to mention earlier that um, Crucero del Norte's 1-0 defeat to Boca Juniors means that Crucero del Norte are relegated, <laughs> mathematically. It's not going to be the same without to Crucero del Norte. Absolutely nobody's surprise, obviously. Um, but Chicago's win over Vélez, as Dan mentioned earlier, means that Colón aren't yet safe. And there are one or two others as well. If we bring up the relegation table, Probably. it's actually the same as the, um, well, pretty much the same as the championship table because all of the four teams who, who are competing now to avoid that second relegation spot are teams who came up this year. Um, it's Chicago obviously currently occupying it and there's no point talking about point, um, uh, point averages because we can just read out the number of points they've got because they've all just been here for the same amount of time. Mm, so Chicago have got 20 points. Colón have got 25 points. Huracan have got 26 points and Tempele have got 29 points. Defensa Justicia are actually currently below Huracan in the table, but um, Chicago can't reach their, their points average total, whereas they can Tempele's because Tempele can, obviously, if they start losing, then they mm. lose more points per game. It's very confusing. But um, you'll just have to take our word for it. So at the moment. Sorry, next Wednesday will we play the match 
if I am not wrong. Yeah, next Wednesday is, is Defence of DC against Reload, which is the uh, postponed match from the 19th round of, of fixtures, which was postponed due to River going to Japan, wasn't it? It, was, it wasn't the Libertadores mm-hmm. final, because that was the 16th yes. round. Um, so that's going to be played next Wednesday, and if Defensa... Of course, yeah, that's another reason that Defensa are below tempo in the table, because they've played one game fewer than uh, most other teams. But anyway, basically, Chicago, in my opinion... I'm going to be the team who go down. Tempele need one more point from three matches, remember. So, basically, if Chicago can get to 29 points and Tempele have 29 points, then they'll have to play a playoff. But let's have a look at each of the run-ins there. We've looked at championship run-ins in previous episodes, and the league championship title now looks um, basically decided. But we can have a quick look at these. It's Chicago, Colón, Tempele, and Huracan. Thank you, Dan. It'd be so, amazing if Huracan went down. What a rollercoaster club, like. Yes, it really would, wouldn't it? Uh, Chicago's run-in is at home to Newell's Old Boys, away to Sarmiento, and at home to Quilmes. Basically, they need, absolute minimum, they need five points from those three matches. <laughs> and then, obviously, to hope that Colón lose all of their remaining games. So, effectively, they need at least sort of six or seven. Are they You'd do say they, they can get six. Um, I'd say Newell's at home and Sarmiento away are, oh, are gettable works. points. Newell's have been a bit better, um, better recently since Maxi Rodriguez woke up from yeah. from a three-month siesta, more or less. But it's still rather uh, stretching it to actually yeah. confidently back Newell's in that match, I would say, for the moment. Yeah. Kilmes, uh, obviously, on the last days is rather more that's difficult. It's a big game, yeah. So, what we're saying in that, in that case is, effectively, it's between Chicago and Colón. Huracan would be okay with one point if we say that the maximum that Chicago can possibly get really is six points. Or seven, maybe. A draw against Quilmes is possible at home. So Huracan's running is at home to San Riento. Mm-hmm. That's, that would normally be winnable, but bear in mind Huracan haven't scored in the last three games and lost the last one um, after two nil-nil draws. At home to San Riento, away to Quilmes, and at home to Belgrano. <sighs> tough, okay. tough. Possibly. There we go. Next up, the table from Oracan are... You didn't go Colón. No, we didn't do Colón. You're quite right. We're at Colón. There they are. Colón. They all kind of play the same teams, I think. They're running this. Arsenal at home. Godoy Cruz away. Gimnasia La Plata at home. That's kind. It is. Obviously, Colón are awful, but um, they can pick up a couple of points, which might very well be all they need. They've won two games in the last 17. The thing is, I would say... None of those sides at the moment, none of those three teams are very uh, in very good form, but at the same time, Colón is so awful that they're going to struggle to beat them. Yeah. Colón haven't scored in five matches. They've scored one goal in the last seven. Um, okay. Yeah. Possibly. And then let's have a look at Tempele's running. Um, Tempele, remember, only need a point from these matches. At home to Gimnasia, away to San Lorenzo, at home to Argentinos. Tempele is safe for me. Yeah. yeah. I think they've they got a good win. home form. Like, they're going to win one of those home matches. They're probably going to lose to San Lorenzo quite quite heavily but I think they're going to win one of those home games um, so we can rule Tempele out for me it's, it's going to be between having now actually looked at that properly um, between Chicago and Colón and I just I'm not entirely convinced that Chicago can pick up enough points it's it's a big gap to, to make might, up they might win two or three matches mm. out of three right but the fact that they're even Challenging to, to stay up is amazing after the, it tells you something about the start after the start, after the start they had what was it like 
nine losses in the first ten or something stupid like that. Uh, Chicago took 20 matches to get their first victory. Ah, yeah. Um, yeah, they actually drew a fair few. Yeah. The, the, I think after 19 matches, it's, it's something. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, so it's eight draws and yeah. 11 defeats in the first 19 games. So, But you can see the difference. I mean, I think um, you can see for newly promoted clubs, draws are almost the same as defeats. Yeah. It's victories. You can see in the last uh, seven game, eight games, say, they picked up four wins, four defeats. Yeah. And that's more points than they picked up with all the draws before. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah. that's the importance of getting them. I think for the teams that have a few seasons behind them in um, in the averages, draws um, are all right. But mm. really, for newly promoted teams, they're not, they're not worth anything. No, absolutely. Um, so, on the one hand, it wouldn't entirely surprise me to see Colombia's fall through the basement. But I do think that Chicago remain favourites to go down. Um, because they're going to need to get possibly, yeah, I mean, more than six points. They can't rely on Colonna's losing all three of their games because Colonna are capable of keeping clean sheets see, from time to time. So you say stay away from Mataderos on, on the last day of the season against Kimis? To be honest, I would say stay away from Mataderos most days. <laughs> uh, but yes, definitely on, on that last day of the season. Um, he also says, can we have a Benacional update where it's a two-horse race for the title? We will very quickly Patrón bring up the Benacional table. At present, we have got, and unfortunately we don't have any of our lower division um, yes. experts. Oh, oh, Dan, you're one of them, aren't you? In fact, yes. Uh, I double. Atletico Tucumán and Patronato de Paraná are the two teams who are sailing away with the promotion spots, except there's not promotion spots automatically. Mm. It's one promotion spot automatic. And then second, third, fourth, fifth um, go into a uh, playoff tournament to get the second promotion slot. So Atletico Tucumán have 74 points, Patronato have 71, and then there's a 10-point drop to Santa Marina de Tandil who have 61. Brilliant first season Ferro, from, from the library. Ferro in fourth. Ferro. Um, also 61 points. And then Instituto... Uh, in fifth for the moment but only on goal difference out of Vicha Dalmine which means that if they finish like that they would presumably have to play a playoff between themselves before going into the actual playoffs uh, if it finishes like this which it very well probably won't do because there are still five games to go um, have you managed to keep very up to date with the B Dan? No I tend to keep closer tabs on the Met- Metropolitana which is where I'm Atlanta, Atlanta yeah. but um you can see from there, I think, Patronato, a couple of months ago, he had it pretty much sewn up. They went out in the lead, and they just kind of collapsed, and Tucumán had picked up um, a lot of points in the last few games. And Patronato had a series, just looking at their results so far, they've had a series of sort of draws. They uh, were, they'd only lost, oh no, they'd lost a, a, a few, but they basically won the vast majority of their games up until the 31st round yeah. and then they had a spell of five games where they drew four and lost one yeah they bounced um, back a bit but they had five draws in a row and that's where Tucumán just chipped away at them yeah uh, where is that where are they to go where's their record I'm trying to find them on this list there they are whereas they at the same time have yeah, yeah. hit a fantastic run of form what's that one two three four five six seven eight wins and one draw in the last nine matches and the draw yeah, was against Patronato. Um, so there's your B Nacional update for now. Next yeah. time we get a lower division person on, we will uh, try and give you it in a bit more detail. Yeah. That was the last question for this week. And of course, there's no Mystic Sam this week. I've got the week off. 
Any predictions for Argentina? Uh, I think they're going to beat Ecuador and I think they're going to beat Paraguay. I'm sticking my neck out there, I know, but given yeah. that they're a demonstrably better team than either of them, um, I'm going to uh, to back them. You don't care to venture a scoreline? I'm not going to. I don't think they'll quite manage to hit five goals in the Defensores de Chaco like they did last time they played there. Um, against Ecuador, I'll go for. They're at home. Yeah, I'll go for 3 0 against Ecuador. Um, maybe 3 1. And against Paraguay, let's go 2 1. 2-1. Might be giving a bit too much credit to Paraguay though, but No, it's not gonna be easy. We'll just have to see which Paraguay turns up. The team that drew two against Argentina or the team that lost six one. I'm going to make a note of those scores now so that I can stick them on the uh, oh. blog. There we go. Okay. Anybody have anything to add then? No, I think that was pretty comprehensive. Excellent. Uh, this has been another episode of Hand of Pod. Andres, sorry, do you have anything to add? You were remaining silent. Nothing much different than you said because uh, it will be the, the the most important thing is that they will have to play without the other espadas, as we say here. The, is yeah, the, the ace of spades. Yes. Uh, the ace in the hole. Uh, so that will be the most uh, important challenge for players, even more than the result, I think, because the way they play, uh, these two matches will, or three perhaps, uh, depend, depending of Messi's recovery, will determine whether they are reliable or not, what, with or without Messi. Because mm. it's a nice opportunity for them. Uh, apart from being not uh, positive, as he said, as Ilistan said, but not having Messi. Yeah. As they say, a market in terms of threat and an opportunity. And, yes, and, and SWOT analysis. in terms of results, yes, yeah, will be. I think it will be longer results, uh, most comfortable win uh, tomorrow night uh, between uh, against uh, Ecuador than last uh, next uh, Tuesday will be against Paraguay. Yes, it's uh, on Tuesday night. Yeah. They're both at nine o'clock Argentine time, uh, which is one in the morning if you're in the UK, or eight in the evening if you're in on the eastern coast of the United States if you're looking to watch them as well and if they won't in, be on YouTube if you're in New Zealand it'll be what Saturday or Sunday if, November maybe and if you're in New Zealand you can work it out for yourself I'm there sure we go. Yes. that's it I think yes. thank you very much as ever to our supporters at the Argentina Independent who provide a wonderful source of English language news current affairs photo essays historical what's whatnots and bits and pieces um, and so forth and so on which you can read free of charge on argentinaindependent.com or follow on Twitter at Argentina Indie. That's Argentina I-N-D-Y. Thank you very much to them as ever for providing the booze on which this podcast is fueled. And thank you as well to my colleagues this evening. Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. And thank you to Dan. Cheers, Sam. I got off to a pretty shaky start, chucking Fennet all over my living room, but I think we... We pulled it back. The important thing is we didn't catch it on the microphone. Um, and thank or you. the computer. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably more important, actually. Yeah. Um, well, no, let's say of equal importance to the podcast actually going out, but in terms of you getting your work done. Um, and thank you and goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye.